What's going on, y'all? My name is Brian Sanchez, and welcome to Living the Magic. Gonna talk some news today. Got a cool story about some roller coaster parts showing up in Orlando. And then our main topic today is going to be solving the Tomorrowland problem. But before we dive into all of that, I just want to say a big, big thank you to you for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Uh, and then I'm going to encourage you to join in the discussion, uh, leave comments wherever you can. If you're watching on YouTube or if you can log on to uh, signalpointmedia.com slash living the magic, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at your primo Brian. And of course, encouraged you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. If anyone actually uses Google Podcast, uh, YouTube, of course. Uh, and then write reviews, rates, all that stuff. Uh, if you like the show, it really does help me grow this channel so I can do more fun projects uh, and grow a little community here because I would love to join you in some more discussions. So, all right, I'm not going to waste any time today, guys, getting right into the news stories. Our first news story uh, Disney had their second quarter earnings call. And we learned a couple of things. Uh, number one, that the parks are still profitable, regardless of what is happening in the news with politics and stuff. It doesn't seem to be hurting Disney's bottom line much. Uh, but the, the thing that I thought was interesting is a couple of noteworthy things. Uh, and uh, Denny Sunderly over at the Diz wrote up a fantastic article that I will put a link in the show notes to uh, that kind of gave some highlights of what was talked about on that earnings call. Uh, but a couple of interesting things. Number one, uh, they confirmed that essentially the domestic parks are operating with no significant COVID restrictions. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone at this point that sees videos and pictures from the parks and has experienced things in the last couple of months uh, it seems like the parks are back at full capacity uh, and there's minimal interference with COVID restrictions in anything that's happening uh, at the Disney World resorts and in the parks. Again, not huge news, but you know there was some curiosity of wondering if they were still living in capacity. Apparently not. Uh, this one I thought was interesting. Uh, they said that Guest spending is up 40% compared to 2019 uh, spending levels. And now that's probably the best way to do a fair assumption or comparison because, you know, 2020, 2021, COVID restrictions, limiting capacity and stuff. So similar crowd levels, similar, you know, conditions in the park uh, and spending per capita is up 40%. And that is apparently due to upcharge enhancements. It's not a huge surprise or news to anyone that it's way more expensive to do anything at Disney now than it was three, two years ago. But this is the Genie Plus effect. This is Lightning Lane. This is why they implemented the systems that they have. And I know as fans, we start to question, you know, why would they put in a system like this? It's overly complicated and, uh, you know, it just seems to be detracting from some of the experience for some guests. Uh, 
This is why. Guest spending is up 40%. That number is huge to them. And as long as we are willing to pay it, they will continue to do it. Now, I will say they do need to do some serious work and simplification on on Genie Plus and Lightning Lanes. The system is crazy complicated. I think, me personally, I would prefer it to not be a thing, but I don't think we live in a world anymore where that's gonna happen. So I think I kinda have to just accept that this is the norm. Uh, and you know you don't have to buy it you don't have to purchase it and so I'm that just becomes a sort of cost analysis cost benefit analysis thing where you know I may be waiting in longer lines now but I think I would rather wait in a little bit longer of a line and not have to fork over extra money uh, and be constantly refreshing an app in order to make sure that I'm hitting the windows of 120 minutes between booking things to find out what I want to ride at seven o'clock at night when it's only 11 o'clock in the afternoon. It just seems overly complicated to me. It's not something I'm super interested in. And I don't think the benefit outweighs the cost of not just the money, but the time and effort that you got to put into it. But that's just me. Again, I haven't gotten a chance to actually use it firsthand. Uh, I was not really a big fan of the FastPass and FastPass Plus system anyway. And most folks think that that's a better system and a more user-friendly system, so I can't imagine that I'm going to enjoy this more. But again, we have a trip in November planned, and we'll give it a shot. I'll probably use it on one or two of our park days just to kind of see, and I can give my thoughts and opinions, you know, a little bit more in in, in depth then. And then the last thing that I thought was interesting from the earnings call was uh, that an ad-supported subscription to Disney Plus is scheduled to launch before the end of this year. And I don't remember the article that I saw, uh, but I I remember hearing that Disney Plus added some very large number in the millions of subscribers in the past year. And this comes on the heels of Netflix catching all kinds of flack for suggesting that there might be an ad based subscription plan that they're adding or adding in commercials to existing tiers. Uh, and of course, you know, everyone's been talking about the the loss in subscribers that Netflix has over a lot of things. And Disney Plus is very quietly just kind of put this out and says, oh yeah, we might do it too. And it's, at what point does it become the norm that all these subscription services are just going to have commercials? And if that's the case, like, are we going to get commercials in the middle of these movies that we're watching? Like, if I'm going to watch Mulan in the middle of the movie, is it going to break and give me a commercial? Or is it just going to be a situation where at the beginning of the stream, I get some unskippable commercials? I'd be more willing to deal with that than interruptions in the program that I'm watching. But ultimately, I think this is kind of ridiculous. We're already paying a monthly subscription. You're going to add commercials in on top of that. The whole point of commercials is to pay for programming that the viewer isn't paying for. 
It really annoys me along with a lot of folks. And I understand you can do it at a, at a lower tier. I think the Paramount Plus model is is a pretty clear one. And, and if they do that, then I, I may not be that upset about it. I mean, I pay for Paramount Plus. I pay for the uh, lower tier. I think it's like 4 or $5 a month that I pay to be able to watch Star Trek episodes and stuff. And yeah, I have commercial breaks in the middle of my TV shows and stuff. Uh, I could go up to the 10 or $12 tier that doesn't have commercials, but that's good enough for me. Uh, but at the price point that Disney Plus is, I think it's like $10 a month at this point. And I think, I think, I don't think you should have to do the commercials when you're paying that much a month for it. But yeah, very quietly, Disney Plus could be getting commercials soon as well, but no one seems to really be talking about that. They only seem to be caring about the Netflix model, maybe because Netflix is the big giant uh, and kind of made their way with the streaming revolution and kind of normalized all that. So we'll see how that ends up playing out. But an ad-supported subscription to Disney Plus should be coming before the end of this year. Moving over to Universal News, uh, this was another article that I will link down below. Uh, Alicia Stella down at Park Stop doing the Lord's work, if you will, with the rumor mill and keeping us all up to date on what's going on with construction in the Universal Parks. And Intamin, the uh, roller coaster manufacturer based out of Germany, apparently had some uh, shipping documents filed that showed that they are in fact shipping roller coaster track and equipment parts to the site in Orlando. This is rumored to be the How to Train Your Dragon roller coaster uh, set to be part of Epic Universe, the new park being built on the expansion lot outside of the current Universal Orlando property. And uh, yeah, it's just confirming more and more that an Intamin roller coaster is coming and it, Every single day, just more and more stuff comes. It seems that the folks over at Park Stop are just on top of it. The folks, it's Alicia. She's doing so much work over there. If you guys have not checked out her channel, it's Theme Park Stop. Uh, the website, again, the, the link to this article is down below, but uh, OrlandoParkStop.com. Uh, they do fantastic stuff over there. Great articles, rumors, keep you up to date on everything you need to know. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I cannot wait to have an extra theme park in Orlando. And this is the first time that since, you know, I realized that there's a fan community on the internet that follows the parks as closely as we do, that we're getting a brand new theme park. The last time we got a brand new theme park, I believe would have been, uh, Islands of Adventure in 2000, 1999. And that was before I knew that there were fan forums that followed this kind of stuff. And there were other people that loved theme parks as much as I did. I was 9, 10, 11 years old. I didn't know anything. So I'm really excited to get to see from the ground up this park get built like that. And cannot wait to experience what we assume is the How to Train Your Dragon roller coaster coming to Epic Universe. Scheduled, I believe, rumored to be opening in 2024, maybe 2025. But we'll keep an eye out for that. All right, that's basically all the news. It was kind of a slow news week, so when we come back, I'm going to solve the Tomorrowland problem. Everyone's talking about it. It's been a problem for a very long time. I'll give you the answer after the break. 
I want to take a brief moment and give a huge thank you to the folks who support the show on Patreon. Both of them. A user named Mythos and my mom. You've been the lone supporters of the creative work I do for the past six years. And from the bottom of my heart, I thank you so much. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, it's possible you've just forgotten it's a reoccurring charge on your card. I don't know, either way, thank you for sticking with me all these years. Now, if anyone would like to join the ranks of these wise investors like Mythos and my mom, you can support this show and all the projects I do at patreon.com slash signalpointmedia. You'll get early access to all the shows, previews of some of the new things that I'm working on, and you may even get a special shout out on your favorite show. So once again, thank you so much to Mythos, and my mom. All right, so ever since the day that Disneyland opened its gates to the public, the Tomorrowland problem has been looming. Now, if you don't know what the Tomorrowland problem is, essentially, Tomorrowland is supposed to be a vision of the future. But as time goes on, that vision of the future changes. And as our society grows and communication becomes faster and things are built faster and technology grows, that vision of tomorrow very quickly becomes a vision of the past. And so how do you inspire generations to look towards the future when they're experiencing things that are outdated as quickly as they're built? And that's been a problem since the get-go in Tomorrowland and Disneyland and every iteration of it in every single park. So how do you fix that? Well, Disneyland Paris did an interesting thing is instead of trying to create an accurate representation of what our realistic future would be, they chose instead to model their quote-unquote Tomorrowland after the turn-of-the-century visionaries, kind of steampunk, Jules Verne-style vision of the future in kind of more a celebration of the spirit of invention and the spirit of curiosity and science and, and all that. And I think that's where it lies. Future World and Epcot kind of had the same situation, but I think they're starting to move away from that realistic representation of what the future will be. And that is how you solve the Tomorrowland problem. The Asian parks, Tokyo Disney, I think they're starting to get it with the implementation of things like Tron, Light Cycle, Power Run, this idealistic neon sort of take is not necessarily a representation of what is actually coming in the future, but more a spirit and an aesthetic that you can lean into that becomes timeless. And so solving the Tomorrowland problem in the American parks, Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom, I think the answer lies in those opening day aesthetics. For Disneyland... I think it really needs to lean into that 1950s Buck Rogers style aesthetic. The rocket ships to the moon, that kind of stuff. I really think if you just sort of roll back and peel back the layers of things that they've added over time, 
they tried to do some kind of weird gold and bronze steampunk aesthetic in the late 90s, and that's where we ended up with things like the rocket rods that destroyed the people mover track. And so, uh, again, Disneyland, Disney, please restore the people mover at Disneyland. But if you lean into that, I think it becomes a timeless look at what quote-unquote futurism is. In Disneyland, you take it a decade or so, or excuse me, in Magic Kingdom, you take it a decade or so ahead, and that late 60s, early 70s, white art deco, uh, white and blue, grays aesthetic that they kind of have started to redo in Tomorrowland. You can see it in the support structures around the awnings for the people mover, things like that. Lean into that 1970s retro vibe, and I think it solves the problem. This is not an accurate representation of what the future will be. This is a celebration of the ideals of invention and the future from years past. And that is the thing that is timeless, is the spirit of discovery, the spirit of invention, the spirit of technology, and the ideas of human imagination. Those are the timeless aspects of what Tomorrowland should stand for, in my opinion. Quit trying to make it look like the Tron grid. If it works, it works. And I do think that Tron being added into Tomorrowland is a good thing, but not every Tomorrowland has to be the electric neon, you know, super clean futuristic version of the future. I really love the Jules Vernian steampunk aesthetic in Disneyland Paris. I think you can get really, really intricate with some of those designs. Clean lines and and lights and fiber optics and neon and, you know, those kind of things, LED lights all around in something like Tron and what they do in the Asian parks works on a grand scale. But when you have parks that have history like the Magic Kingdom and Disneyland, I think leaning into that 1950s retro Buck Rogers style would go a long way to solving the Tomorrowland problem. All right, that's uh, my opinion. That's my suggestion. What do you think? Uh, Do you think that they should be redoing the entireties of Tomorrowlands around just to, to constantly be trying to do that accurate representation? Or do you like the retro throwback style? Let me know down in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, if you are watching or listening on uh, the website. And of course, you can always get at me on the socials. Uh, again, I am on Twitter at your primo Brian. Uh, and of course, you can leave in comments if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get this early and you can, there's a comment section there you can check out. So that's gonna do it for me today, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Again, uh, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, make sure. You hit that subscribe button, the follow button, rates, reviews, five-star ratings, help us out uh, to spread the podcast around. Uh, And of course, if you'd like to support me, this show, or any of the projects that I do, music, audio series coming down, scripts, short films, uh, you can support 
the production of all of those things by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash signal point media links in the description and show notes of this podcast. All right. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We'll see you all around. And as always, the loosh.